Hello and welcome to another episode of But Why? But this is something a bit different. It's a condensed version. It's our favourite conversations about tricky subjects, revisited and reduced into bite-sized chunks. So hello and welcome to another episode of But Why. Today I am talking to Sunday Times best-selling author Vex King. His first book, Good Vibes, Good Life, sold over 600,000 copies. And his newest book, Healing is the New High, is probably one of the most accessible and down-to-earth self-help books that I've ever read and that actually is a great articulation of Vex King full stop so I hadn't come across Vex till relatively recently and I think we we share a literary agent that's it so then I came across his Instagram account and just thought that he's a guy who talks sense he talks about trying to improve yourself but not in a way that's that feels highfalutin or for appearances or full of cliches, just as a man who's trying to make his life better by improving himself. All of this was before I'd had the pleasure of my conversation with him that you're going to hear today when I learned more about his life and the amazing journey he's been on from a child growing up where money was really tight, where they didn't know what, where the next meal was coming from, to a guy who has has worked his way into a place where he's he's really having a hugely positive impact on loads and loads of people. I adored our chat and I hope you do too. So without further ado, here is Vex King. My life's kind of been difficult from the get-go. Um, my dad died when I was six months old. Um, my mum was pretty new to the country, so she was still picking up the English language. And we've, so I've got two sisters, um, older sisters, and so she's got three kids. Um, Dad's just passed away. She's still kind of making herself feel at home while taking care of the kids. And I'm six months, so me and my sisters have a two-year difference between us. So, you know, they're young. Yeah. Um, and yeah, That's she's just, you know, you know, really struggling. And then she, we've got, well, she's got a business with a family member who turns out to be a little bit abusive. That then goes mm-hmm. bankrupt. And then we find ourselves homeless. So for three years, we're floating about moving to different housing shelters, living in hotels. Uh, living with family members but the thing with family members and they were so kind for taking us in but a lot of those members had also just moved to the country Mm. just had kids and they were starting their own lives and there we were or my mom was with three really young kids and it was almost like intrusive for them Mm -hmm. so we never really felt like we belonged in these places Mm. and during like for example the hostel experience you know, we'd experience like screaming and horrors and uh, like blood all over the staircase and smash glass. And even as we approached the housing shelter to make our way in, like, you know, there was just some 
really strange characters that you know you were kind of a little bit wary of and I was really young at that time but I can mm-hmm. still remember feeling a certain way like there was mm-hmm. we were in danger um and then finally you know we had a bit of a, well, a stroke of luck I would say and we were given a council home mm-hmm. and we m- moved into that home and you know it finally felt like things things were changing but the the people around us in that area were so racist that as soon as we stepped outside, it was almost like, go back to your own country. You don't belong here. Oh. And at midnight, um, so our, our neighbours, so it was it was a house of like 10 to 15 teenagers. Honestly, I don't know how many people were in that house, mm-hmm. but there was a lot. And they would like party and drink every weekend. And there was the same pattern. On a Saturday night, they would get completely hammered. You'd hear drumming and then they'd knock on our door. Like, and this was at like after midnight as well. And I, I, again, I'm still young and I can still remember this very clearly. Mm. And they'd be shouting stuff through the letterbox, like, open up, you, you know, effing and blinding. Racist remarks, get out of the country. And once we had a washing machine outside our front lawn and they got fireworks and they put it in the washing machines of course it like exploded and it was just it was just almost like tragedy after tragedy and it was just pain and fear after Mm, pain and fear and it just kept repeating and it was like we never felt welcome when we were moving around when we were homeless and then we moved to an area and again we don't feel welcome i was always interested in life and philosophy and there was this um, section of the website called the Knowledge Corner or Center or something. And people would talk about like science, um, different schools of thought, again, philosophy, uh, just different ideas to kind of like improve your life. And people mentioned this book um, and the book was Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And they were like, this book has changed my life. Bruce Lee read it, he changed his life. And I was a martial arts fan, so I resonated with Bruce Lee and I thought, I need to read this book, but there's a problem. I hate reading. I don't like reading at all. I, even in school, I hated reading books. I, was, I just wasn't interested in them. But I thought, if this is gonna make my life better, let me try and read this book mm-hmm. and see what it's about. So at the time, obviously, you know, we're still experiencing financial difficulty and it kind of relates to what you said. So I got a copy of the book somewhat illegally um, off the internet. Not that I condone that, but, you know, at the time, mm, yeah. I wouldn't have had the money to even, you know, be able to buy a book. But I got, got, got a copy of the book. I read it and I thought, you know what? There is something in this book and it inspired me and it kind of created this internal shift within me. And my mind started perceiving the world in a different way. Mm-hmm. I just had some kind of newfound faith, I think, that there was better out there for me. And because of this book, I started researching into athletes that I kind of idolized at the time. I started looking into scientists like Albert Einstein. I thought like, you know, what is it about these people that make them who they are? Mm-hmm. And I started seeing the same patterns within, within these people. And, you know, a lot of it was driven by belief, belief that there's better belief in their ability, belief in just themselves. And, you know, the idea that 
that kind of stuck with me was that a positive mind will or can lead to a positive life. And I thought, mm-hmm. right, that's great. I'm going to use that. And that's going to help me change my life. And over the years, things did change. Shit things happen to good people. They do. Life life isn't fair. And so, so you can't go around going, oh, you know, and of course we should go into situations and try and see in the best of them. I think that's what we're agreeing about. Yeah. But um, I had... Nicola Perra from the Histic, the holistic psychologist on and she talks about the dark night of the soul that yeah if we suppress and suppress and suppress at some point it's going to get you and that might manifest in a mental health issue or if she believes it comes out in physical health which goes back to you carrying it in the body so these gut people who look like everything's happening for them and then their back suddenly go at 40 that is because you're holding all this thing that you're that you're, you're not observing and the problem is once you start observing yourself once you start being real with yourself it is uncomfortable you know this work though positive is once you've ripped the lid off it'll take whatever it is once you're in self-healing work it yeah you can't really stop can you no no it's um you know nicole's amazing and I, i love her work um her book yeah. and just everything she shares online but she's completely right we I think with social media now as well and I even you know sometimes question myself I have to look at my own work and think am I misleading people because yeah. you know I don't know if you're aware of this but you know some some years back I really pushed this phrase good vibes only um, and it came from a lot of my spiritual understanding of mm-hmm. um, holding a higher vibrational state so just being kind of more energetic but being being happy and that those feelings get in return to you and i mm-hmm. i completely believe in that but mm-hmm. what it wasn't saying was that you can only accept good vibes because mm-hmm. that is misleading yeah. because the world you know the world's ne- there's no one in the world that can that can say that they've had a perfect life and a perfect day when nothing has disrupted them soon as you go out into the world mm-hmm. there's challenges there's you know we can't control the way people um interact with us what they think of us they might judge us they might talk to us in a rude manner all of those things are gonna affect us in some sort of way mm-hmm. and what i find inner healing does is actually it doesn't make those problems go away because you know you can't control those things things those things will always exist but it helps us respond to those things mm-hmm. in the best way we can yeah. and it also doesn't mean that we're never going to feel pain like mm-hmm. one of my teachers explains this beautifully and he says that you know pain is the the feeling right so mm-hmm. we can feel pain but suffering is the response and with mm-hmm. pain there will always be some suffering. But when you go to the cinema, you go to a movie and it's like, maybe say it's, it's a romance or something and you start crying, right? Mm-hmm. That's emotional pain that you're feeling through the characters or through the screen, but you're not carrying the suffering, which is all the anguish that comes with mm-hmm. it. So actually what inner healing is, is basically getting to that stage where we can feel the pain is the pain's real it's going to be felt with us whether it's physical pain or emotional pain we're always going to feel that pain but it's having less of the suffering because mm. we've responded it responded to it in a way 
that's more empowering. It's creating more mental resilience within ourselves and knowing that no matter what happens, we're, we're going to be okay. There we go. What a lovely, beautiful ending. Well, thank you so much. What a, <laughs> what a so conversation. Much. I'm going to go and like try and pick apart so much of what we've talk, talk, spoken about. But I mean, I feel endlessly grateful to have had this time with you, but also just to have these conversations. Aren't we very, very lucky? Thank you so much, Clemmy. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Oh. Thank you for having me. Thank you.